Hello, I'm Afia Salter and I'm here to help ambitious women just like you learn how to unapologetically manifest an extraordinary life. Whether that's finally finding and living your soul's purpose, building the business of your dreams, or kicking it back with a cocktail, margarita for me, you best believe I'm right there alongside you, strapping in for the ride. Okay, gorgeous. Ready to dive in? Let's do it. Hello and welcome back to the Manifest Edit podcast. We are here on this beautiful freezing summer's day in Melbourne. What can I expect? And before we get into today's episode, which is all about my journey to moving overseas to Australia, I thought I'd give you a little bit of a life update and also this week's mindset moment. But first things first, I am super excited to announce that the Manifest Edit one-on-one mentorship is once again open for enrollment and it is back bigger and better than ever before. So the Manifest Edit Mentorship is my one-on-one coaching program and it is an intuitive program centered around helping you learn how to apply my five-step framework for effortless manifestation to your own life so that you can attract your extraordinary life and throughout the process you'll overcome limiting beliefs that up until now have been holding you back you'll gain clarity on what you actually desire to have and most importantly you'll be taking action to bring those desires to life because it's 2021 baby we are all about making a shit happen so this program is a culmination of everything that i've learned over the past five years and have used to manifest my dream apartment money meaningful relationships business success and so so much more and it's not only the method that i've used to attract my dream life but it's what i've taught to my students and my clients as well and i'm just fucking obsessed with it this is absolutely the program for you if you are looking to step the fuck up this year and claim that next level of success that you've been dreaming of and not only claim the success you've been dreaming of but step into that next level version of you who already is living out that vision so this is the program for the dreamers out there yes 100 percent, but it's also a program for the action takers who are ready to bet on themselves with that added bonus of the one-on-one support from me So if this sounds like you, I would so love to work with you and you can find the link to learn more and to apply in the show notes or you can head on over to Instagram and DM me at ifiasalter underscore and just pop me a message with the word mentorship. So in terms of life update, yes, we are in the middle of summer in Melbourne, which is surprising given the fact that it's 17 degrees outside which I feel I feel is so fitting for an episode about yeah move to Australia to live my dream life uh because it's warmer than Scotland when it's 17 17 degrees but I'm still loving it I'm still loving it it's just it's just funny and I when I moved to Australia I didn't really understand that winter was a real thing I just thought it was something that Australians said so that British people wouldn't come over by the way I'm from Scotland so yeah I just thought it was something that people said I didn't think winter was actually real but let me tell you the first day that I landed in Melbourne in November 21st 2016 after checking into my hostel second thing I did go out and buy a jacket because I was freezing and November is like the beginning of summertime in Melbourne as well but I'm telling you it was it was cold I could not do anything without first buying a jacket so yeah this this just reminds me of my early days my early days um and how the weather in Melbourne is 
it it can get cold here winter in melbourne you need a hat you need a jacket it gets to like three degrees zero degrees i've not seen snow here but i have been freezing here so if you're someone who like me thought that winter in australia wasn't a thing i'm afraid i have to be the one to break the bubble it absolutely is i've also been on a ski trip um in falls creek which is three hours away from here and there was a lot of snow more snow than i've seen in some cities i've lived in scotland so whoever started this whole winter isn't real thing it's a lie but if you do go further up north even just to sydney which is um like a one hour flight they have a much more level weather system whereas for melbourne it can be 17 degrees today and 35 degrees tomorrow and that's totally normal and totally to be expected so it's just part of the package <laughs> anyway before we get too deep into the australia talk i want to give you this week's mindset moment which is all about money manifestation so if you have been looking to manifest more money into your life i mean who hasn't this tip is for you something that i love to do is display a hundred dollar bill in my office and in australia the hundred dollar bills they look kind of like monopoly money they're green they are a different shape they're a different weight they're a different size and everything about them to me is just exciting yes i get excited by money and just seeing that there on my desk reminds me what i'm working towards and when i'm thinking about manifesting money i look at that hundred dollar bill and i remind myself that i am already abundant af and that is just a matter of calling in more. So you can display the money in your office, in your wallet, in your purse, wherever you keep your money. Maybe it's not a hundred dollar bill for you. I don't know what country you're based in. So maybe, uh, are a hundred pound notes even still a thing? I remember I had one, one like a 50, wait, were they ever a thing? I remember I've had like a 50 pound note and I don't really like them because they're like so thick and they just look like weird and they're so old because obviously they don't make them anymore. But where could you ever get a hundred pound notes? Maybe I should have like Googled that first. Wait, I want to look that up now. I need to look it up. I need to know. You can guess with me if you're if you're listening, you can think are a hundred pound notes a thing. I think they might not be. I don't actually think I've ever seen one. I thought the fifty pound note was an a hundred pound note. No, no, there isn't. Oh wait, there is. I think I have seen that before. Okay, I think I have seen that before, but I don't I don't think I've ever had one. It looks kind of like a £10 note, but it says 100 on it. I don't think I've ever seen one of those before. Okay, well, maybe that's on my manifest list when I go back to the UK, manifest in a £100 note. Oh, that's exciting. Anyway, keep a high note somewhere where you can see it, somewhere that's regularly reminding you that you are abundant AF. Also, the fact that you can have that amount of money and not need to spend it is abundant in itself. So there's a little tip for you. If you're manifesting money, make sure you have something to focus on that is always priming your mind for abundance. Okay, with that said and done, let us get into the Journey to Australia episode. And I've actually not pre-written questions. Maybe I should have. We'll see how this episode goes because I'm just kind of going off what comes to my mind. But this was a question that I was asked about. How did I end up moving to Australia? Where am I actually from? <laughs> Where are you really from? And yeah, I just thought that I would give you an episode on it in case you are maybe thinking of making the move to your, yourself in the future when all of that is available to us again. So I am actually from Scotland, which a lot of people are surprised to learn given my kind of neutral accents. Like all my Scottish friends say, yeah, of course you sound Scottish to us. But when I'm overseas, people 
either struggle to believe that I'm from Scotland or they just think I'm flat out lying. I have had people before regularly, in fact it's a regular occurrence that people will tell me that I'm lying and it's always funny to me because I was like if I'm gonna lie about where I'm from like what possible reason could I have to pick Scotland and it's always the kind of closet racists that have problems believing it and they'll be like oh you don't look like you're from Scotland I'll say oh what do you mean that I don't look like I'm from Scotland like knowing full well they mean because I'm not white and have ginger hair but I want to make them say it I want them to be aware of what they're saying and it then just turns into this really uncomfortable conversation uncomfortable for them comfortable for me because I'm confident in who I am and I know where I'm from but it's uncomfortable for the other person because they realize how ridiculous they sound so yeah I am from Scotland I grew up in Scotland I've only ever been to school in Scotland and I definitely in the past considered Scotland my home although now I guess I consider Australia my home now so yeah Scotland is my previous home I guess we could say but it is where I grew up and I did love living in Scotland until probably my second last year of university so this was my final year of my first degree and I was beginning to feel that sense of fuck what now I'm going to finish uni and I'm going to go into a career and then that's just my life that's all there is and (laughs) it was really this existential crisis of what next how am I going to make this life amount to something and if you don't know about me and my backstory I was actually orphaned when I was 14 which meant I grew up without parents and I just grew up with my sister and a family friend and I always had this kind of I don't know how to describe it just this overwhelming sense of you will be fucked you'll be fucked after you finish uni you're not going to be supported by social services anymore you're truly on your own and you'll be fucked and it was something that hung over me for a really long time and especially as I began to get to the end of my degree I was like oh my god it's nearing the end of my time it's nearing the end of my time I don't know what I'm going to do next and I decided actually to go back to university and pursue my master's and get my master's in digital marketing and a couple of months into my degree I began to realize that this wasn't what I wanted to do I didn't want to work in digital marketing and for me the whole appeal of digital marketing had been helping people communicate better with one another that was what really attracted me to digital marketing in the first place and I'd initially made my way into digital marketing through writing and doing social media management for this small tech company and I loved helping them communicate their message as a small brand to a wider audience. That truly excited me. But when I began studying digital marketing at a master's level, all of that excitement and everything that had initially drawn me to digital marketing in the first place, all of that creativity, I felt was sucked away in favour of relying on all the data and tracking people across the internet and cookies and all of these less sexier parts of digital marketing and of course the data and analytics is important but it just didn't really excite me that much and it's a crucial part of digital marketing is knowing all this data because that actually informs what you're doing. So I realized that I didn't love digital marketing as much as I thought I did and that perhaps this wasn't actually going to be what I did when I finished my degree which being two months into a one-year degree was slightly worrying and so throughout my time studying my master's I really had this sense of 
being disenfranchised and not loving what I was doing, feeling really disconnected. And I did suffer from depression and anxiety for most of the time that I was studying actually. And then on top of the degree that I didn't really love, and honestly, I would probably say it's a lot stronger than didn't really love. I wouldn't say hate, but strong dislike. And on top of that degree that I didn't really love, I also had my job, which I was unfairly dismissed from due to the degree that I didn't really like. I had to miss one of my shifts because I had an induction day at uni and I texted them the day before. I was like, hey, there's been a mess up with my schedule. I'm going to have to go into uni tomorrow. I'm really sorry, but I'm not going to be able to work tomorrow. And then my boss wrote back, like, if you don't come in tomorrow, you don't have a job anymore. I'm like, well, if I don't go into uni, then I don't know what I'm going to be studying for the rest of the year. I need to be there. And I was essentially let go from my job, although he kind of went back on it a few days later. I was like, hey, you can come in and work your shifts this weekend and then we can reassess and see if you still have your job. I didn't really like being on a string like that. I didn't really like being on someone's beck and call like that. And I knew that if I did get my job back, that in the future I was going to have trouble making it flexible around my schedule for university. So I just ended up not going back and yeah I think I actually went out partying that weekend instead which maybe also contributed to me not going back to my job so on top of all the uni drama I had work drama I was really struggling with my mental health and when the next year rolled around so this is the beginning of 2016 I just had a complete mental breakdown and I stopped going to university for a period of several weeks I remember it actually got to the point where one of my lecturers had emailed me and he was like hey you've missed one of your entire modules and it was all the module all about writing your dissertation which is this 20,000 word project that you have to work on and I missed all the classes that were about setting it up and what to write for it and I hadn't gone to any of them I really wasn't leaving my house at all because I was severely depressed and I didn't want to go outside I wasn't really seeing any of my friends apart from the ones that kind of came over and made plans to come around to my house without me knowing like they'd communicate with my flatmate that they were going to come over and then just like appear and then I would have this one friend and he would kind of bribe me to leave the house with like cake which is my weakness with tea and cake and maybe once a week I would like go out for tea and cake with him and that would be it and I would just stay in bed and basically cry the rest of the time because I was so miserable and I didn't know how to resolve my situation and I didn't know how it was going to get therapy and I'd gone to the doctors previously to try and get some cognitive behavioural therapy and they just said that it basically wasn't going to happen, that the waiting list was too too long, maybe a couple of years and it just wasn't going to happen for me. And so this went on for a few months until eventually I was able to go back to the doctors and finally get on the list for therapy and instead of waiting two years I think I actually ended up waiting for three weeks and then I was seeing my therapist which did not work out (laughs) I spent all that time wanting to see a therapist and then when we actually started that therapy relationship we did not it did not work me and my therapist did not get on at all and it I just wasn't able to continue that relationship because we just didn't get on (laughs) we just didn't get on But that was the catalyst that I needed to kind of make a change in my life. And I started diving deeper into personal development and reading personal development books and surrounding myself with these super positive people and watching films like The Secret. 
and this is when I first began to kind of reintroduce myself into that world. So I grew up Buddhist, so I've always been kind of open to spirituality and although Buddhism is a religion and spirituality is just a life philosophy, there are a lot of similarities between the two. So it wasn't like spirituality was completely new for me. It was just like what I say about, like I loved, there are are many elements that I love from Buddhism and before I was Buddhist, I was also Christian. Yes, I've been through all the religions. Um, So I was Christian until I was about nine and then from 10 onwards, I was Buddhist. And what I love about spirituality is that it's not that there's this one prescribed set of rules that everyone has to follow, but you make your own rules and you choose your own rules about the way you want to live life and the way that you want to show up. And so that came into my life at a point in time where I couldn't have needed it more and it gave me a reason for being and something to work towards and something to aspire to and something to focus on. And then during this time of (laughs) getting my shit together and getting my life back on track, I was speaking with a friend and she was having similar feelings and we were both just like done. I was like, I cannot finish uni, finish this degree and then I am going to be in a career that I hate for who knows how long. And she was like, yeah, I feel the same. I don't know what I'm going to do with my degree either. And we would have chats about this. And on one day after one of our chats, we were like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could just like move abroad somewhere? I was like, yeah, I've been looking at like, I've got friends doing working holidays in Australia and it sounds amazing. Imagine doing that. That sounds so cool. And she was like, oh, I've actually been interested in doing a working holiday in Australia as well. And we decided we were going to both do working holidays together. So at that point, I remember I was super into all my personal development, law of attraction things, and I created a vision board. I had lots of travel photos on there. I had, um, I wanted to be in a relationship. I had two people holding hands and some other things on there as well. And I guess that was the first time that I began consciously manifesting my future because I wanted to go and have all of these amazing experiences. And every night I would look at my vision board, which was directly across from my bed. I would stare at it. There was a picture of me in the middle and I was like, yes, this is your life. You're going for it. There was also a picture of me from my first graduation on there because I was determined to finish my second degree, get myself through it and just like have it done, even though I desperately wanted to quit. I also desperately wanted to finish. I did not want to be a failure. Um, and I know I wouldn't have been a failure if I didn't finish but in my mind I just had to finish that degree I just had to get it done and having that Australia trip to look forward to at the end of it made me it motivated me to finish the degree so yeah throughout the whole summer I was working on my dissertation which was that 20,000 word project that I told you about and I was also working doing promotional work like events work which was a lot better paid than my previous job, actually, my cafe job. It was way better paid because I was getting event management roles as well. So that was maybe double, almost double like my previous wage. It was like really good money, um, a lot more flexible hours. I was also the like boss of the campaign. So normally I would get one of my friends or two of my friends a role on the campaign as well. And then we'd have like an event management position. And my friend that I was moving to Australia with, she also did similar work to me, events work as well. And we would often work on events jobs together. And 
to begin this was this was really great hanging out all the time but it did lead to us having some disagreements having some fallouts and it got to a point where we hadn't spoken for maybe a month after a kind of disagreement at work about a work role that we were meant to be working on and it got to the point where it was like a month before we were meant to be moving to Australia we had like booked the flights we were going to be flying to Thailand first flying into Bangkok and then we were going to spend six weeks traveling Southeast Asia and then we were going to fly to Australia like Sydney or Melbourne we hadn't decided yet we were just going to book the flights when we got to Asia but we had put the deposits down on our Australia flights and basically paid them off but I was like fuck we've really not seen each other for a long time and we are moving to Australia together next year I mean next month and we haven't spoken to each other so maybe that's something that we should do so I reached out and messaged her I was like hey do you want to come over I've got some travel magazines so that we can look at these together and uh, and she got back to me and said hey I'm really sorry I'm not going to be coming on the trip anymore I think you should just do it by yourself I might come out on the trip later and I will meet you out there kind of thing and I was just devastated I could never ever have imagined traveling by myself and the year before I had been meant to be going on a Euro trip with a friend from uni and then it turned out that she could no longer afford it so instead of going by myself I just decided not to do the trip and it felt like the situation was just repeating itself again except I felt I had so much more on the line this time round. like I had given up my apartment the lease was due to run out I wouldn't have anywhere to live I would not have a job I would have finished my degree and also I had told everyone I was leaving so I just felt truly devastated in that moment and I did speak to some friends about it and they were like what are you gonna do you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go anyway and I was like no can't go alone um but eventually I pulled myself together and I was like right this is it I am going alone and I would watch every night I would watch solo travel solo travelers on YouTube I'd watch their vlogs often the same ones over and over again um shout out backpacking bananas and Molly Blyett because I watched you guys on repeat and I would just watch these videos and seeing that other people were doing it proved to me that I could do it and if these girls were out here alone and having what looked like a fucking amazing time then I could do it myself and so it got to the 3rd of October 2016 and I did it I got on the plane cried my eyes out on the plane my eye because one of my friends had dropped me off at the airport and I was like what am I doing like why am I leaving I've got it so good here but I did it anyway and honestly it was like a switch flipped like as soon as I got off the plane in Bangkok and I was sitting I remember I remember so vividly I was sitting in the taxi and I was just looking out the window and I saw past me whole family on a motorbike like four people on this like tiny scooter and then again I looked out the window and I saw this man and his dog on a motorbike I was like what this is this is so wild I'd never seen anything like it and in that moment the fear just turned into like total excitement I was so excited about what could come next what would happen next that I just knew no matter what I would be okay and I arrived at the hostel and within 10 minutes I wasn't able to check in so I was just like chilling in the lounge area and within 10 minutes I'd made my first friend we went out and got breakfast together went to some temples together got lunch together 
and I hung out with him while I was in Bangkok and I actually saw him twice again. I bumped into him once uh, in Melbourne and I bumped into him once six months after that also somewhere else in Australia and it was so funny how we just kept like reconnecting with each other all over the world which is something that actually often happens when you're traveling you do meet the same people again I think it was just so funny how far apart those countries were but we'd still somehow collided into each other so yeah my first stop was Bangkok and I was traveling solo in Thailand for two and a half weeks and then I went to Vietnam for two and a half weeks and then I went back to Thailand for another two weeks and it was honestly incredible it was so so incredible and I learned so much about myself on that trip about what I liked what I didn't like and I also proved to myself that I really love traveling alone I thought it would be terrible I thought I wouldn't meet anyone that I'd be alone that I'd have nothing to do that it'd be really scary being in this totally foreign country by myself but it was it was amazing it was totally amazing and there's nothing like your first solo trip if you haven't taken a solo trip before I highly recommend that when it's safe for you to do so that it's something you put on your bucket list because there is no experience like it and I love traveling with my friends or with a partner but traveling solo will always have a piece of my heart because I learned so many so many lessons from it and yeah it's something that's so so special to me and something that I'll continue to do throughout my life when I can when it is possible to do that again I am so like itching to get on the road again but who knows maybe in 2022 that will be something on the cards because I do have a huge euro trip that I cannot leave my 20s without completing so that's that on the road but yeah so after spending those six to seven weeks in Asia I ended up moving to Melbourne Australia and my plan was to stay there for one week and then I was gonna go to Sydney but I never left Melbourne. I love Melbourne so much that I ended up staying there and I spent my first three days there in a hostel and then after that I went to stay with a mutual friend and I was meant to be just staying with her for a weekend as well but I actually ended up staying with her for two weeks and then I had my own flat. I found my own flat just um, after that two weeks I found one of my own places to move in to. So while I was living with her I was looking for other flats so that I had like my own space to live in as we were just both sharing her double bed and it's like tiny space and I'm so grateful to her for those two weeks because we really didn't know each other all that well like we'd known each other from nights out and partying back in Scotland but we never just kind of hung out on a one-to-one basis so it was really kind of her to let me stay and we became really close friends after that as well so yeah that is how I ended up moving to Australia and within the so after those first two weeks I had my first flat the week after that I had my first job which was working for a seafood stand which I had randomly come into after posting a Facebook status like hey I've just moved to Melbourne does anybody know of any jobs going didn't even have to do an interview or anything as it was another mutual friend and I just did a trial shift it got on really well with the guys that work there and then that was that was my first job in Melbourne and I was also doing events work as well except the events work in Australia was way better paid than it was in the UK you were earning like 20 to 40 dollars an hour for just handing out flyers or um yeah just um pop-up events works like I was doing work for Lipton iced tea and I was at their freshers week I don't know what else this is called 
um, around the world. We call it Freshers Week in the UK. They call it O Week in Australia. But essentially, um, when you first start at uni and they put a week on so everyone can get to know each other and there's loads of events. So I was doing that for um, Lipton Iced Tea. I worked at the Grand Prix. I was working at um, the Australian Open. I had all of these amazing opportunities and I was also working at music festivals as well which is something that I did back in the UK and I'm a huge fan of festivals as well so everything just really began to fall into place there's no other way to describe everything was falling into place I was meeting incredible people I had gotten into a relationship I was loving where I was living I was I was truly living the dream and four years on I thought that I would just be in Australia for that one year that kind of one circuit breaking year to figure out what I actually wanted to do and what I didn't expect was to find out that what I actually wanted to do was stay in Australia so four years later Australia is now my home I am still in Melbourne I'm still in Melbourne and I love it here I truly love it here and I feel like I have found my home away from home. To close this episode, I'm going to be answering all of the questions that you sent in via Instagram question sticker, sharing my advice, top tips, lessons. So buckle up, we're about to dive in. One of the questions that we have here is, what advice would you give to someone that you wish someone told you? I think I was pretty lucky that I had some great friends surrounding me who gave me advice and I also knew a couple of friends who were living abroad in Australia already who had done a working holiday visa. So I was lucky that I had people who had done that experience. And the thing is, you can get all the advice, but until you actually take action and do it yourself, you don't really have that proof. So although it's great to have that social proof of other people doing it and friends doing it or friends of friends moving overseas, until you actually do it, you can never truly know for yourself. So maybe that's the advice I would give to someone and that if you're feeling scared or anxious about moving overseas, obviously when it's possible again, know that so many people are out there doing it, but there's nothing really that anyone can say to you until you make that decision within yourself that you're going to go that will change your opinion and the other thing that I tell to other people and it's not necessarily something that I wish someone had told me but it's something that I think eases a lot of other people's minds and that's the fact that if you hate it you can come home no one is forcing you to stay overseas or to stay in a country that you don't like and I think that lifting the pressure of knowing okay if I don't like it I can just go back will ease a lot of people's minds and for me I didn't really have I didn't really have home to come back to which I guess put more pressure on it but if you are in a situation where you do have a family home you could go back to then know that it's worth taking the leap and going and trying something new rather than the what if I did do it how would my life have been different and what would I be doing today Next up, we have the question, what did you find hardest about the move and settling in? So what I found hardest about the move was that I had never initially planned to move to Australia solo. In my mind, it was always a trip that I was going to do with a friend. And I didn't know I was going to be doing this trip solo till three weeks before I was meant to be going. So for the whole six months leading up to that, I thought I was going to be moving to Australia with my friend and so three weeks before it was a total scramble between one do I still want to go and two okay now that I'm going alone what do I need to organize what do I need to get together and how am I going to make this happen that was the biggest challenge for me definitely in the weeks leading up to it 
and then once I actually got there things were pretty smooth um oh also going back to the question of like what do I wish someone had told me before I went was I actually ended up paying this company to set up a sim card set up a bank account and set up some things for me before I got there and I wish I had known that it's so easy to do these things when you get there and I actually ended up setting up a different bank setting up a different sim card because I wanted to go with different companies so knowing that things are a lot easier when you go over there and I hope I haven't confused things too much by mixing up those questions there but what do I find hardest about the move and settling in the point is that things that I thought might have been hard actually ended up being exceptionally easy like getting set up with a sim card or um, a tax file number which is what you need to legally work over here those things were incredibly incredibly easy and people were very friendly and forthcoming with information there's loads of Facebook groups of people moving to Australia that you can um, access for information and I know for a lot of people the answer would maybe be I miss my family and I was really homesick I didn't necessarily have that I mean of course I miss my friends but I was just so excited to be trying something new that and I made new friends very quickly I obviously I was living with that mutual friend and I met people through her but also just in general through work roles and through just meeting people from going out I quickly built up a network of people that I felt really close to so I don't know what I found hardest actually it's probably just in the lead up before I actually got got there building up all these things in my head that were going to happen not meeting anyone not making any friends not finding anywhere to live and just overthinking what it would actually be like to getting there and realizing I just built it up in my head to be something that it wasn't and then the final question we have is what advice do you have for making friends in another country I would say when you move abroad consider what hobbies you have and things that you can connect with people over so for me that was definitely blogging was something that I did and that I knew there were communities around this so I would search out on Instagram I would look for Melbourne bloggers Australian bloggers and I would connect with people over Instagram and strike up conversations with people that I knew were in those kind of niche spaces so whatever hobbies you have um I don't know whether it's playing a certain type of music or doing a certain type of dance or if you're from a specific country for example Irish Irish people have incredibly incredible communities everywhere in the world so for example if you're Irish in Melbourne or Chilean in Melbourne or wherever in the world you are looking for those Facebook communities for your specific country abroad or just joining Facebook groups I would say social media is really a great way to connect with people online, especially now. I would say the vast majority of my friends that I do meet these days, I have connected with over Instagram or through a Facebook group and then we've met up in person or we haven't actually got around to meeting up yet because, you know, the world. So definitely reaching out in um, Facebook communities and then if you go to events or you go to parties and you meet people or you meet people through mutual friends, making sure you then have a way to connect that mutual, connect with that mutual friend as well. So like, hey, I had so much fun meeting you, let's um, connect on Instagram, get their Instagram and then when I go home I'd message them like, hey, it was so fun um, at this event that I met you at, let's meet up to do coffee or something. And then when they reply and they're like, yeah, that would be awesome. Try and book something in then and there because you know what it's like. Like you, otherwise you'll just be in this perpetual cycle of let's meet up, let's meet up when, and you never actually meet up. So try and get something in, in that moment so that you don't forget. And so that it's fresh on their mind as well. So they still remember who you are. And 
yeah, it's just about kind of shooting, shooting your shot in a way and almost friending, getting into the habit of putting yourself out there and also not being hurt or taking it personally. If people don't get back to you, people do get a lot of messages in the DMs or maybe they have anxiety around meeting up with a stranger, you just don't know. So don't take it personally if someone doesn't get back to you and know that there are so many people out there that would love to make some new connections and friends. Wrapping up, I want to say that moving to Australia was without a doubt one of the best decisions that I've ever made in my entire life so far and I don't regret it for a second. But was it absolutely terrifying at the time? Absolutely. And so many of the best decisions are. And we think because the fear comes up that the fear is warning us, stay away, don't do it, you're going to get hurt or something bad's going to happen. But what if the fear was just a sign that something really incredible is on the other side? And how badly do you want it? And what will you do to get there? For me, saying fuck the fear changed the trajectory of my life. What could it do for you? And are you brave enough to adventure to the other side? Thanks for tuning in today. I am so glad to have you here. And if you love what you've heard, remember to subscribe and leave a review because it helps even more people find and enjoy the podcast. And I just appreciate it so much. One last thing before you go, what was your biggest takeaway today? Screenshot the episode and share on Instagram at afiasalter underscore to let me know. Okay, can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, gorgeous.